City. It's your man, Big Pat, the voice of your Charlotte Hornets. And you're listening to the All Hornets Podcast Network, presented by Sports Illustrated. Welcome into another episode of The Vault. Me and Chase are back to talk about the last week's worth of basketball. Chase, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. Uh, a smooth 0-4 stretch uh, for the Hornets mm. since the last time we recorded a podcast, though obviously that has been due in large part to the players quite literally getting injured every single game. Somebody different is either coming in or out of the lineup. Uh, it has been uh, a rough watch. Nobody really likes watching a team uh, get hurt all the time, and that has happened to most of the players in the Hornets rotation at this point. So um, I'm doing all right considering the circumstances. How have you been, James? I've been okay. Um, watching basketball has been weird, right? I, it, I kind of like don't feel the season started yet, but I know it has. <laughs> That's not a good yeah. thing for the Hornets. Like it, it just feels really bizarre because you're watching these lineups play out there and you're like, well, you know, these lineups are never going to play in the actual NBA game. <laughs> and then they trot out and you realize, oh, wait, they've been up there for, for eight minutes and giving up a 12-2 run. Um, it's, I, I just feel sorry for Steve Clifford and the players because you prep all summer, you have your training camp, and then any opportunity to actually like do something maybe semi-exciting just gets taken away by injuries so far. So, you know, I've been fine, but I have to say, like, I felt pretty apathetic towards watching the team recently because they're just so undermanned night to night. And um, I know, like, sometimes it's, like, fun to watch the young players, but when young players are being put in a position or asked to do things that are just way, way, way outside of their comfort zone that they're just not ready for yet, then you realize it's not so fun when you start to see those things. Yeah, that is definitely, for all of the, the Hornets fans that are just already on the, the tanking train, it's, it's people forget that that's kind of the downside of watching a team that tanks, is it's really not fun. Like, all the te- whenever people say, like, ooh, fun teams, and it's usually some team that's bad, it's never, like, the worst teams in the league. It's teams that are, like, on the up and up. And like the Hornets would not be in that scenario if all of these players just keep going out and they're putting like their what would be role players on the healthy team as like the number one, two, and three options and just like overtasking them so much and making them do things that like the young players are a little bit out of their comfort zone. Like we were talking before the show, Kelly Oubre, uh, and there's a lot of sirens going by me right now. So I apologize if people can hear that, but Kelly Oubre has had the highest what must be like the highest pick and roll volume over like a three to four game stretch since early in his career if not his entire career and like obviously he's not he's done okay at it considering the circumstances but like that's not something he was thinking he was gonna have to do like over the off season me and you don't want to talk about kelly rolls pick and roll usage do we right because like when this is not it's never gonna happen Exactly. And every right. every Uber pick and roll finishes the same way, which is oh, I'm going to jump around this pick and oh pull up. <laughs> there's yeah, there's right. no other read outside of that. It's just oh you're giving me a meter. I'm going to shoot it. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, and like he and he's gotten hot for a few games this year as he c- tends to do. And it, it's honestly I've I've been like at least somewhat impressed with how he's handled the basically being like the best scorer on the team since Gordon Hayward went out. 
uh, in that game or a couple games ago. Him, Terry, and Lamelo combined have played like ten and a half games, basically. If you're going to count the game Hayward left at halftime in as a half game instead of a full game in the entire season, and the Hornets have played ten games. The they have not obviously that Melo's missed the whole season. They have not had a healthy lineup for more than like three games the entire year. It's just, it's been like, it's been pretty tough. Like for them, it must for us to like have to deal to watch and like have to adjust to as fans. It's got to be a million times worse for guys that are on the team and on the staff and stuff. Cause when it's, it's different when it's just like you're making rotation adjustments and players are going in and out of the lineup or something uh, and the team's healthy. But if it's because someone gets hurt at halftime or like in the third quarter of a game and you have to make all of these decisions on the fly and like players have to prepare for a, a certain situation while they're walking to the scorer's table instead of like at shoot around or during practice the days before, it just makes everything so much harder. Well, I think and Jalen McDaniels is the perfect example of this, right? Uh, Jalen yeah. looked really good to start the year, shooting it great from three, was playing good active defense. You like saw some flashes of shot making here and there. Um, and then as more and more guys, you know, so as soon as Gordon Hayward went out pretty much, he's thrown into the starting unit and he goes from being a guy who is like low usage, will just basically take open shots and get out in transition to now actually, oh, there's eight seconds left in the shot clock, Jalen. Can you, can you get us a shot? And you begin to peel back some of the layers on the limitations of what Jalen McDaniels can do as a ball handler, you know, ability for him to cut it to, to, to play through contact on the offensive end. Um, there's just real limitations there. And and that's not to say that Jalen is playing badly, but it's just he's being asked to do things, which is it's just never something that will be in his skill set. And I still maintain, like, Jalen, I think, could be in a playoff rotation right now. But he's still always going to be a guy who plays off other players. And that's where he's going to gonna excel. So, it's you know, I think that's been the perfect example of the, the arc of Jalen McDaniels, which has started... Started good, went even higher, and then it's just dropped off an absolute cliff. Yeah, it's it's just been so tough to see like everybody have to change their role, what must be like every night so far. Mm-hmm. And I mean, right now, the Hornets injury report is Lamelo out, Gordon Hayward out, Cody Martin questionable or doubtful, or yeah, Cody Martin doubtful, and then Dennis Smith Jr. questionable. Like those guys are all massive contributors <laughs> like and then terry is just coming off of an ankle injury and he was really really good in his first game back uh which realistically like if the team if everyone was healthy except terry like does he come back and play huge minutes like his first game like probably not but they needed it like and yeah. they almost won like he almost willed them to a win against the nets but it's just like it's just so it's so hard to do that when you're down so many guys like you just you only have so many roster spots like if four guys are hurt then like yeah you're grasping at straws well I think I tweeted out in the Memphis game like the game was well and truly gone but you couldn't even take out your rotation players to because there's no one to go in for them because those it was just Kai Jones left on the bench that was it that's all it was like the, yeah. you're playing your rotation players in a 40 point blowout because you've got no one left on the bench. So it's, it's tough. Chase, I've, I've got a question. And, and for those wondering about what we're going to talk about today, we probably should have mentioned this at the start. We're just <laughs> going to do about some of our observations, which we've already started going through, but then we're going to, we actually got an interview 
uh, exclusive interview for All Hornets podcast with Nitch Krubchek, um, who's going to be coming on late in the podcast to talk to us about the Miles Bridges situation. So that that will be interesting. But um, Chase, injury designations. When did the Hornets just stop giving timelines for players? Because it, I swear what used to happen is someone's injured, they're you know, one to two weeks, two to four weeks, or day to day. Whereas now guys just get injured and they appear as, you know, out or doubtful for however long. Um, I swear this wasn't something that always happened. And Joe Sharp's still in charge. He's head of the, head of the training staff. I, I definitely feel like there's been a shift from a, at least a PR point of view. I don't know if it's a coaches who want them to do it that way. But it's really frustrating now when you've got just no sense how long anyone is out. Like you're expecting someone to almost come off the injury report every game and then they don't and it just seems to build a little bit frustration yeah i mean i honestly like i have i think i've noticed that as well because today like pascal siakam on sunday was announced to be out but he's just out like indefinitely but honestly like in most in other sports like i think it is kind of more like how it is trending towards in the nba where there's not necessarily like a firm timetable for everybody like in the mlb that the if you either go on the 15 or the 10 day DL or the 60 day DL, that's a wide stretch of how, how long you can be out between those two, two things. And it's like, you could go on 60 day DL if you don't need 60 days off, but you need 30 and there's no real, like there's no not repeated spots for you to go on that in hockey. Uh, they don't even tell you how, like where injuries are. Like if someone gets hurt in their ankle, they just say like lower body injury. Like they don't say, Oh, he sprained his ankle or like, towards meniscus or whatever the injury may be but i definitely it's definitely you're definitely right that it's like trending more in the the direction of other sports i think uh, and i get it i, I understand i understand why because if you say lamello is going to be out up you know one to two weeks I, yeah exactly as soon I think as it gets why. to day 15 you've got everyone going what the heck's going on why isn't lamello back it's supposed to be two weeks two weeks was yesterday and we know it's not exact science injuries. We know everyone reacts to things differently. It's hard to tell severity. It's it's really complicated. But like I, they do, they definitely have changed the the PR side of it. Whereas they used to give some guidance, you know, up to he'll be reevaluated in four weeks or you know something of that nature. Where you're not committing to someone coming back, but you're just giving like your fan base an idea. Of, Look, don't don't ask us about anyone soon because all Steve Clifford, poor guy. Gets asked first question for every single media availability. Yeah. Uh, hey, Steve, anyone back tonight? And Steve is like, no, nothing. Just I, I just wait for Joe to tell me when they're going to play. That's, that's all Steve has pretty much said for the last two weeks um, and looks a little bit more exacerbated each time. So uh, I, I feel sorry for Steve. Um, right. Anything else you picked out since we last spoke about anything you want to talk about? Get off your chest. Um. Uh, I think I, I would like a temporary mulligan on my overreaction because the, the, the three point percentage thing was banking on players coming back. And since then, good shooters have only left the lineup. So I'm not saying I want to take it back, but definitely postpone that one until people are more healthy again. And then we'll, and then I'll, if they don't, you know, don't rise up the rankings, I I will admit that that was a, a bad pick, but um yeah that that, because they were when we had recorded that podcast i'm sorry for not remembering but i think they were still first in the league and they're now uh 16th uh at 35.7 percent but i mean the the first place teams are still above 40 so um the the hornets uh 
almost league average percentage isn't quite too bad. The other teams will cool down a little bit. The Hornets will bounce back once guys get healthy. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, you're allowed. You're allowed to have a, a mulligan okay. there. Uh, I mean, you. it wasn't overreactions pod. We we weren't. Yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah. That is, I guess that was kind of the point. Was that yeah. there was a chance it was going to be wrong, regardless of, of how. Yeah, we weren't. Uh, we weren't putting our mortgage on that, were we? Right. So, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. Uh, I want to touch another one, JT Thor, who I've seen a lot of people freaking out about JT Thor, worrying about JT Thor's minutes and how he's not looked good. And I agree, like, the shooting hasn't been great so far. But I'm really still not that worried yet. Um, I I think people forget that JT Thor is still 20 years old. He was, like, drafted a year earlier than most people thought. Um, he's already definitely got stronger this year. Um, he, he's Again, he's playing in units where there's not as much offensive talent. So he can't just necessarily like defend and space the floor. He's been asked to do it a little, little bit more, a little bit more decision-making than he's ready for. Um, for me, I think he would be in Greensboro right now if it wasn't for all the injuries. Um, and I'm just, I'm just not hitting the panic button yet on JT Thor. I, I agree. He doesn't look great. Um, it's weird because the three point shot looks smooth with JT Thor. Like I'm always like, Oh yeah, that, that looks like it could be okay. And then like these, it's just not really gone in at a great rate. I mean, he's like, I think he's at thirty-five percent this year, but I think a lot of those made threes have come in like garbage time, like serious garbage time. Where yeah, I was it's gonna like say, a, cleaning the glass has him at a twenty-five percent on three for twelve, and they filter out uh, garbage time stats. Ex- so that, exactly. that is definitely why. Uh, oh, actually, no. What what's, what have I got now? Yeah, I'm getting all confused now. Uh, no, I sorry, I got a 21, 21.4%. Sorry, I was reading the wrong field here. So okay, there we go. Um, yeah, 35% from the field. That's what I was reading. 35% from the field, 21% from three. Um, like he's had a couple of nice defensive plays. He's rebounded the ball, I think, pretty well. Um, and I think that's Steve Clifford's like that. I think he really changed the the energy of the game, I think, in that Hawks game when he came in and did that. But I'm just not hit, hitting the panic button. Like he's a long-term project. You you Oh, hold on. We have an autoplay ad from Uh-oh. ESPN right there. So uh, thanks for that. Uh, <laughs> we, You know, we don't even pay ESPN to give us tracks in our podcast and they're trying to do it for free. Say. That's really good of them, isn't it? Yeah, I know. They're weaseling their way in here. We're going to have to talk to them about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, Apple Watch always trying to bother me for sponsorship. And I say, no, we've got DraftKings. So... Uh, <laughs> Promo code TBPN for DraftKings. Make sure I download it now. Free ad for you there, DraftKings. Um, so, yeah, I'm just not panicking on JT Thor yet. Like, give, give me to year three, year four. I think Steve Clifford will be perfect for him because I think Steve Clifford will get him to play to his strengths. He's going to rebound the ball. He's going to defend well. I still think the three-point shot could come around. And I, I think I tweeted this out the other day. I, I like JT Thor when he has, like, the off-the-dribble pull-up game. He doesn't really get to it that often. But he had he had that a little bit at Auburn. That that was yeah. like one of the most intriguing things about him at Auburn was that he I agree. Could, he I, I think really he there's just catch and shoot and off the dribble. He's clearly comfortable pulling up, yes, like in that 15 to 20 foot range. And I know it's not an analytic friendly shot, especially for a, a player profile like that, where you're a, a like a low usage should just be a floor spacer. Uh, the problem right now is whenever he puts the ball on the floor, like if he doesn't get like people reach in and take the ball from him. And if they don't, they foul him. But the only reason they foul him is because they know the ball is so insecure that if he, if they don't get a foul called on them, they'll force a turnover. And he's just, 
you know, travels and carries. That, that's the challenge for him right now, but to get to that. But um, but I I still I still believe in JT Thor. Just let's give him to the age of like 22. Let's give him to the end of his rookie contract before we start making judgments. Like you said, I'm with you. The the three-point shot, it looks so good every time he takes it, whether it goes in or not. He's obviously has every physical tool that you would need for a three-slash-four small ball five defender. We just got to give young players time. I think recently around the NBA, some players have come in and been so good quickly, but also LaMelo was so good so quickly that people forget that it takes a long time most of the time when a player comes into the NBA to like adjust and become like a really consistently impactful rotation player. Okay. Well, anything else that you want to get off your chest? Anything else you've seen you want to touch on? Uh, I don't think so. We will roll into the advertisement break here. Well, I, I, well I've got a couple ones before we roll forward. Um, okay, here we go. James Bucknight. Um, I can't say, I can't say I'm, Falling in love with the James Butt game. See, I, I've, okay, then I do have one because I actually thought he has looked pretty good considering, again, like considering how many players are out and what he's like needing to do. Yeah, I, I understand. He, he's a lot more better. aggressive, and that's like a that's a huge key, I think, for a player like him that needs to take advantage of like speed, athleticism, and like raw scoring ability. Um, while I, I agree, it's been better. The shooting it's, stuff. It, it's been much better than the season started. But mm-hmm. let's be honest, to see that was not hard to do because he started off the season. I don't think he made a field goal. Yeah, like, I, th- yeah, I think he games. missed. He, yeah, he played like two or three games without making yeah. a shot. Yeah. But uh, for me, there's just still too many mental mistakes. Like too many mistakes where I can see Steve Clifford is fuming. Like with bad fouls, turnovers, missing players, like uh, just poor decision making on offense and defense, fouling three point shooters, missing people on fast breaks. Like, when I watch the tape, this, there's just not many players that I look at and I go, oh, he missed that. Oh, he missed that more than, than James Booknight. And I, I still think there is talent there and he can still put it together. But again, I just still haven't seen something here that I think, like he put it numbers. I think Memphis game was like 14 points, seven assists. I, like for me, and we said this preseason, I, I don't know where you still stand on this. I still think Jim, I still think Bryce McGowan's is a better prospect. And we, we got some Bryce McGowan's time in Memphis and he looked pretty good in that time. Um, yeah, I, I have to say, like, it would not shock me later in the year if Bryce McGowan's maybe had worked his way into a rotation ahead of James Booknight. Like, he's a rookie right now, so I, I think it makes complete sense. Um, but give it six months, 12 months, I wonder if that would be a conversation. Yeah, I mean, I I'll, I'll be honest. I think that I'm gonna have to. I think I'm gonna take credit for this right now. I think I was like one of the first Hornets fans well. to really publicly hitch my wagon to Bryce McGowan. So I I will definitely take any any minutes that he can get. And you're right. Like he did he did look. I think he finished with 12 points in that Memphis game. Like him and Booknight uh, both scored pretty well and uh, efficiently in that game. Even though it obviously Kabosh. did not didn't yeah it didn't impact the the final score very much. Um, but I mean, but. Booknight also had two blocks and a steal against Brooklyn. Like there were a couple, he's, he's just piecing it together a lot more frequently, I think, than he had really at any, not maybe not, maybe not any point in his career. Cause that time last year where he got put into the rotation, I think he had 24 against Sacramento. That was obviously a better overall experience from uh, James Booknight than what we've gotten this year with um, the shooting struggles. But 
if he can just start shooting relatively efficiently and play defense like he has been in the last probably week or so since the Chicago game, like I think that he'll it, it, people will start to be, realize like, okay, this is what it's going to look like when he really gets settled in here. And, and then he could have a chance to make an impact on the rotation. Maybe. I mean, I still don't think he's in the rotation when everyone's healthy. I, Probably everyone not, talking, just by, I, kind I, of by I, default, yeah. Everyone was talking about the two blocks and the steals, and I was like, it's great. It's, like, it's, you know, it's great. I thought he had his best defensive game of the year against Brooklyn, apart, you know, apart from stupid foul here. And But let's like let's not pretend like he's some shot-blocking guard. Going into that Brooklyn game, he had one block on the year in five games, and he had one steal in four oh, games. Yeah. So... Um, everyone was being like, oh, he's, look how much he's improved in defense. All right, let's calm down, folks. It's one game. And I think he also had that four turnovers in that Brooklyn game as well. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it's been I – know, I know people have been more in, like happy with what they've seen, but for me, I, I still just don't see the, him putting it together yet to be that that kind of contributing winning player where everything he's doing on the court is is the right thing. So – that's that's James Booknight. And I do want to just touch on, it's not Hornets related really, but Mark Williams in the G League because he played his first two G League games over the weekend. Um, I know you probably won't have been able to watch because you were with me, um, but I did watch both games. And 21 points, 16 rebounds, two blocks. He doesn't have an assist yet. Uh, but 64% from the field, 67% from the free throw line. And that's all in like 29 and a half minutes. So... He's looking pretty productive out there. Um, they're, they're using him kind of how you would expect. Uh, but I'll look him to post him a bit. He's taken a couple of jumpers from like 15 to 18 foot. One went in, one kind of almost went in and bounced out. So I kind of like the flashes that they're letting him explore a little bit on offense. They're posting him up. And he's actually looked pretty good at the post up, drawing quite a lot of fouls, which like isn't something we, we really get with some of our other bigs at the minute. And I even noticed in preseason when they played Mark, they, they really look to get him the ball inside, uh, which isn't something, and then he would like look to score, which isn't something like Nick Richards would really do. Mason Plumlee does it a bit, but you know he's never actually going to shoot or maybe once a game. But um, just, yeah, I'm real happy for Mark Williams to get some playing time. I think it's the right decision. Um, I'm glad to see him getting off to a good start in the G League. Yeah, no, it'll be interesting to see if he can keep these kind of performances up if when he gets eventually comes back with the Hornets, if he's going to be a part of the rotation at all. Cause I mean, obviously Nick Richards and Mason Plumlee or Nick Richards, especially, but they Plumlee has also been fine this year, I think. So that spot, or there's a lot of minutes already accounted for there, but I mean, he has like the, the free throw drawing, how big and strong he is. Like he has some things that the Hornets are really lacking in terms of uh, what they need out of a center, like that neither Nick or Mason are really giving you at this point. So it, it, it will be interesting to see, when or if the Hornets are tempted to play him like real NBA minutes at any point, like later in the season. I think it depends how the season goes. Yeah. And I think that, uh, yeah, that brings really us really point. nicely onto our next point, which is what our outlook is on the season. You know, we're, I forget how many games we're in now. Uh, three and seven, we're 10 games in. So we're in eighth of the way through. Uh, I think we're, we're beginning to get to the point where you're beginning to have a pretty good feel of what 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 people like. Chase, where do you think this season is going? Where do you think the Hornets are ended up here? We've, we talked about them being so help, like so unhealthy, and I, it still doesn't like for me. I don't really count anything that's happened yet towards like factoring into oh, this team is a disappointment because it's like well, 
who, who freaking if you told everyone he was gonna be missing for the first 10 games what do you think people's record prediction would be i'd say like one or two wins i still think they yeah probably maybe definitely have performed what they've done considering the injuries but where, what are your thoughts right now what what do you think if you were to take a hundred pounds and kind of dollars my bad and and divvy it up in like some fut- in some hornets futures right here in terms of like wins where they finish what what do you what do you, what would you kind of be looking at here um well i'm i'm not allowed to bet on the nba due to my employment status so i would never actually be able to do this but if i were to do it uh in a pretend monopoly world, money monopoly it money was monopoly money <laughs> uh Hmm. I, I mean, obviously, like, it's going to get better. Like, they're not going to finish, you know, five to set five games below, four or five games below 500, like, for the whole year. I don't think, like, they're not going to be win three out of every 10 games. Like, they, when they're not going to have the 27th ranked offense when LaMelo, Terry, Gordon Hayward, and Cody Martin are playing regular minutes. So, I, I it's going to get better, but it's they just do need to get guys back. Um, because like we said, it's, it's been 10 games. If you get to 20, 25 games without having like your starters have played like real minutes together to build chemistry, like of course it, it hasn't worked out well when guys have missed time at the end of the season yet. So maybe it'll be, they'll have enough time to build chemistry over the winter and, and spring months, uh, regardless of how much time players miss now. But uh, it's definitely it has an impact eventually, at least on your your win loss record, if not uh, the on court chemistry aspect as well. So, uh, I, I mean, I well, I would like to, I just want players to get healthy. That's like the really thing. It just stinks watching players like fall and twist ankles and do whatever, hurt shoulders, Cody's leg, like every body part is just hurting right now for for the Hornets, specifically ankles. Like it's just not fun. Keeping in mind the current existing records, where they are right now, I'm going to read you some teams, and you tell me if you think the Hornets will will finish over them by the end of the season. The Houston Rockets. Yes. Yes. Okay. That's, a, that's a, a, nice... pres- a f- profound yes. You, you, want, you want to lock it in? I mean... That like the Rockets are might be like the the worst team in the league, so they they'd only have to they if they get the second pick in the draft that that might that okay, I would still well, I would still be right. We, we can circle back. Let me know if you want to lock any others in with the Rockets, okay. and we we will circle right. back on that. Um, next up, the Orlando Magic. Uh, yeah, probably yeah. yeah. Oh, I I like all I've watched a few Orlando games. They're playing They're, really hard yeah. this year. Like, yeah, they are. Eventually, eventually having players that are, you know, six, nine forwards playing the two guard is not going to work out. Though. Would you be willing to lock it in with Houston? Uh, would you, would you want to leave yeah, out yeah, the Yeah, yeah, no, I'll, okay, yeah. Okay, you're locking in. All right. Yeah, we'll uh, do, next up, the Detroit Pistons. Mm, yeah, probably. I would say that Detroit and Orlando so have a glass half to be. Full. I love it. Right. Yeah. I'm going to keep going. It's going to get harder here. Sacramento Kings. Mm, that one's hard. I like. I think Sacramento's could end up being pretty good. Um, I'll I'll push that one. I don't know. I can't say yes or no on that one. They okay. might end up with really like Utah Jazz. Records. Yeah, I think they'll probably end up being better. <laughs> they'll do something about that over and that might not have as Utah much to are do with seven the and Hornets. three. Chase that might that might not have as much to do with the Hornets as it does with Utah. I think that they might get that one straightened out uh, in a little <laughs> bit. We'll ha- we'll have to see, but. 
Um, that one, obviously, I would not lock in. I don't because they're just because they're already seven and three. But I <laughs> there might there might be some some tinkering done. All there, right. Because um, I, I don't think going seven and three was the expectation for them. The Indiana Pacers. Um. Mm, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're gonna. Yeah. I'll say yes to that one too. Because okay, I think the Hornets. Not- will, I still think the Hornets have a strong chance of making the play-in. So there will be four teams that are worse than them. And the, the, next one's the, Wiz- the next one's the Wizards. I think the Wizards will also probably end up worse than the Hornets. I think the, the Hornets will be better than the Spurs, too. So which of those, if you want, we're going to lock in a little group here. And let's 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 do it this way, right? If if you, for every lock that you add that you get right, I will send you five bucks, right? <laughs> but if one of them is wrong, you owe me however many teams you, you put in your in your lock here. So I'm going to hand it over to you here and then let you go. And then we're going to lock it in, in the vault. All right. Yeah, no, we, we can definitely, we can definitely do that one. I, th- I, the two that I feel most confident in are probably, um, Houston. And then I would have to say, we'll go with the Spurs after that. Those so two, I think. 10, ten bucks from right I now. guess those, yeah, I guess those are two West teams, but I, I would say that the Hornets probably finish better than Houston and the Spurs. Definitely Houston. And those are your only two locks. Yeah. Uh, the other ones are tight, like Indiana, Sacramento, Detroit, I, and Orlando. I think that they'll be better than them, but it is, it's still kind of tough to. Okay. Because there are the, those two are only one game currently. And I know the Spurs and the Jazz are, or the Spurs are currently five and five, I think, and the Houston's. One and nine, the the worst team in the league or worst record in the league right now. But the West so Coast fi- teams, I think, I'm more confident in. So your final two are Houston and the Spurs. Yeah, we'll go. With All those. right, we're locking it in the vault. Here we go. Okay, we're gonna circle back with that. I you, I felt like you talked a big game there, and then when it came to locking it in, you gave me two teams, which I was really disappointed about. But well, I, the, I I said push for I, I the. I think it was the Pacers and the Spur, or no, it was the the Kings. I said push for the Pacers is close. I I I've, I do think the Hornets will make the play in after all. So I, there has to be a certain amount of teams in the East that are below them. But I think the East is like, especially like at the bottom, like that middle tier. Like the teams are probably like better than in in the West. So that's, the, the that's reason where I get I'll, tripped up a little bit. The reason I, I did I did let you down. I won't lie. Yeah, the reason I wanted to do this exercise is because. I don't think it's easy to lock in teams that I think the Hornets will definitely be better than. Like, I wrote Houston down. I think that's a lock. I think Houston is so young. Um, I think that's going to be a struggle. But, like, every other team I can make an argument. Orlando, I can see how hard they're playing defensively. Ball Ball is doing crazy things. Paolo Bancaro is playing incredibly. Like, Detroit Pistons also, like, playing some good ball. Got a lot of young guys playing well over there. Like, high upside side of things. Then, like, in the, the Indiana have started well, got Rick Carlisle as coach. Like, wow, they've got Buddy Heald and Miles Turner there will, I think, be a sub-ish 500 team, but they're gonna, I think they're going to play hard. And Ben Matherin and Tyrese Halliburton are playing fantastic over there. Then, again, like, the OKC, Shea is probably having, like, another career year. He keeps being the most forgotten about superstar in the league. And then the San Antonio Spurs as well, who are doing some voodoo tricks to be 5-5. Five and five. They've got some of the Utah Jazz voodoo going on, who are seven and three. I just don't think it's a slam dunk here that the Hornets are going to be finishing like that high in the standings. Um, And 
especially after the start that we've got, if we think really we're not probably not going to get all of our guys back probably for the next week, we might have one or two drip in, you know, here and there. And then they got to get used to playing together. And before you know it, I think this team could be like four or 12 and in a bit of a hole. Um, and, and that's where the team have to start to make some real decisions in the future. Because we remember the last episode, we talked about the Terry Rosier trade to the Lakers and the wording that Shams used was like the, the, the Hornets want to wait to see the direct how the direction of the season goes or something of that nature, right? And we talked in the summer, what if Lamella got... We, I remember we had this exact conversation. What if Lamella got injured to like start the season and missed a month or two and the team started out slow? And, and at that point, I wonder then if they just take the opportunity to do a rebuild. Um, not a rebuild, but essentially tank the year. Like a um, reset, and then come back. Yeah, like a, re- a reset for one year. And the longer this goes on, if if we're at the trade deadline and this team is 10 games below 500, God, I hope they do it. Because if they don't, I think it would be a real missed opportunity. If Daryl Morey was in the situation, um, if Sam Presti was in that situation with the, with the Hornets right now, what do you think they would be doing? Trading or hey. How many times the how many playoff victories and you know have the Oklahoma City Thunder had in the last like couple of years that weren't on accident? Like that bubble playoff run was completely on accident. Like they they weren't trying to do that, you know. Like they the it hasn't necessarily worked out for everybody that has pivoted to the future at every chance that that they get, you know. But and that and it's it's t- that's why it's it's tough to do that, like to make that decision. So I wouldn't. I wouldn't blame the Hornets like either way, obviously. But you know what gives me confidence that this is going to be all right in the end? Every single team that you listed there, except for OKC, has a significantly worse defense than the Hornets. The Hornets, with all these struggles and all these players missing, and Cody Martin missing, one of their best, the best perimeter defender, one of the two best defenders on the team, they are 13th in defense right now. Like that's that's very very encouraging because when they get players back there's a chance that it goes up. And even if it goes down a little bit, that 27th ranked offense is clearly going to go up when LaMelo and Hayward and Cody Martin and Dennis Smith Jr. are all healthy at all at the same time. Like it's it, the teams that the Hornets are like currently worse than all of them are like worse on D like the Orlando is the only team that's like equally bad. That's really even close. Like, Indiana is four and five, but they're 26th. Like the, the Spurs are five and five, but they're 29th. Like you gotta, you gotta be able to stop teams to win like lots of regular season games. Like that's kind of just like, like that people have kind of re- like let that go by the wayside. Like that's the formula for winning basketball in the regular season. Now is just having a lockdown defense. That's why Milwaukee, uh, another loud car going by, um, that's why Milwaukee, Boston, Philadelphia, like the Lakers uh, before the last year, I guess. Uh, but the year that they uh, won the championship in the bubble, they were the, one of the best defenses in the league. Like all of the good teams in the last couple of years have had really, really, really good defenses in the regular season. Like the, the Hornets are an average defense, but that I think is what elevates them from some of these other teams that have poor records right now, especially given the fact that LaMelo has yet to see the court in the regular season. It's have a hope, people. And and we know Steve Clifford we gets gets his teams to play a base level of defense and we talked about yeah. that on the last show. But I'm I'm just saying it wouldn't shock me. So it, it wouldn't shock me. And I do think there's opportunity there. And I wonder if the Hornets would lean into it. 
um, which which I, we'll we'll probably maybe speak to Nitch Nitch Krupcher in our next segment about that um, after our ad break. Uh, be, be worth speaking. I mean, I I'm not going to be able to do the interview, but I know I know you're going to do it for us, Chase. So you'll you'll hold it down for us and speak to Nitch. But um, yeah, let's go to an ad break and then we'll come back with the Nitch Krupcher interview after the break. NBA fans, the NBA action is just getting started and so are the incredible offers at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA pregame Moneyline bet and they get $200 in free bets if your team wins. So check this out right now. Everyone can up to 100% boost with DraftKings stepped up same game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place the same game parlay and combine multiple bets of which team will win, rebounds, player props as well. So, couple of tips. I've been doing well on the Hornets this year. Bet the Hornets unders, especially when they're missing quite a few players at the minute. Total points unders, I think it's hit in four games in a row. Got a couple of player props to look out for. PJ Washington, when he's got good matchups where he's not going to get into foul trouble, try to go for the over. So he's got uh, Caleb Martin coming up for the Miami Heat, Kyle Kuzma. I like those matchups for him. It's not like where he's having to match up with Sabonis. So go over for PJ Washington. Also for those players coming back, Rosia, uh, maybe Dennis Smith Jr., Cody Martin, take the unders because they're going to be limited in minutes. They're going to be a little bit slow. So take the unders there. And then with payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is where I go to bet on the NBA. So make sure to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now using the promo code TBPN. Make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Please see the show notes for details. Welcome back to The Vault. My co-host James has departed. He had a tea time that he had to get to. Uh, he's, he's out golfing right now. But he has left me to interview with a very exclusive interview. We're excited to bring this one to you with the managerial general of the Hornets of Charlotte, Mr. Nitch Krubchak, special guest, Mr. Nitch, Mr. Krubchak. How's your day going so far? Hey, Chase. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Um... My day's going well. You know, so, sometimes you get up in the morning, you, you have some breakfast, slice of toast, may, maybe jam, maybe maybe marmalade, um, and then your day goes okay. But um, yeah, thank, thanks for asking, but today's a good day. I, I had my toast, so thanks for having me on. It's always a good day when you can have your toast. I, I can't argue with that. I just got a couple questions for you. I really appreciate you taking your time to join us. Uh, we know you're a very busy man. First, I just want to ask you, with how the season has been going so far, what are your your plans for the Hornets? Uh, I know it's early before the well before the trade deadline, but what are you what are you thinking about about the team for the rest of the year? Well, Chase, it's you know the season's eighty two games, and um, you know it's a long season, and you get injuries. And, and guys play. Um, and, and right now the team's hurt. And that's a shame. But I, I think there's an opportunity. And, and I don't want you to, to tell this to anyone else. But you, you obviously know about the Miles Bridges situation. 
I want you to keep this to yourself, but uh, I, I have an idea, and it'd be good to get your thoughts. Um, so, you, you know, with Miles, we, we can't just sign him back. The, the NBA really want to suspend him. So what I think we're going to do is we're going to sign Miles to get him on a roster, and then we're going to speak to Adam, and the NBA want to suspend him, and they can suspend him for the rest of the season. And, and we can try rebuild for this year and bring back Miles for next year. But, but then he's suspended, and, and people feel happy that Miles has, has served his time and served his punishment. Chase, what do you think? You know, if you're if you're looking to to kind of get the best of uh, both worlds here in terms of uh, making that free agent signing that the team was planning on making last summer, and maybe just maybe recouping a high level draft pick uh, as a result, I can't say that's a bad plan, uh, Mr. Krubchak. If you, if you want to enact that one, it would not be in my best judgment to tell you not to do it. You're you're the expert here. You've been you've been in charge for. Dozens and dozens of years of of multiple different NBA teams. Okay, well, I'll I'll take that I'll take that on on cue. Um, Chase, thank you so much for your time. It was really good speaking to you, and you know I'll be watching the rest of our team for the rest of the eighty two games, and um, you know we might make the plan, we we might make the lottery, um, we might make the playoffs. So. Everyone enjoy the rest of the season. Okay, thanks. Bye. And thank you to Mr. Krubchak for joining us. Oh, it appears as if my my colleague James Plowright has has arrived back at his desk in, in perfect timing. I'm back. Uh, after, golf after was great. His, his golf 18 match. holes. Um, had a great time. Um, I hope your interview with, with Nitch was good. Um, that we, you know, it was a really big one for us to set up that, right? Um, yeah, I'm surprised did, you didn't did, see him on his way out. You, you must have just missed him. I, I must have. I did. Do you talk about anything interesting at all? Anything about Miles Bridges? No. Uh, yeah. See, he. There, it seems as if there might be uh, a little bit of a plan uh, in the works there. But well, uh, of course, we're going to have to see how that goes. But uh, he he gave us a, a, so, some details there. They they might be looking for uh, to kind of play uh, both sides of the coin here at the end of the year. Interesting. Well, I mean, that would be a that would be a very sneaky way to to proceed for the rest of the season, where you kind of you 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 balance the punishment of the player, but you also keep and resign him. It be it, it it would make some sense on paper to do that if you want to try and win the PR battle slash also win on the court. So uh, it'd be, it'd be I, I can't wait to listen back and hear what Nips had to say about that. Um, okay. Well, well, hopefully we'll get Nitch on in the future on some other big comments, you know, some other big times maybe around the trade deadline. We might be able to get Nitch back on or whenever other topics of conversation on because I'm, I'm sure he's a great guest. Um, Chase, to, to finish out here, any, anything else you want to touch on here before we before we finish up? Uh, let's see. What do we got coming up? The next game for the Hornets is tomorrow. We're recording this on Sunday. This will be out uh, Monday morning. Uh, Wizards, I believe. Who are without Bradley Beal. They are without Bradley Beal. Then we play the Portland Trailblazers to round up that homestand. Couple of games on the road against Miami. Any any thoughts on any of these these teams coming up? Portland is really really fun. I, Shaden Sharp is awesome. That's um, so that'll be a good time. I think if uh, if the Hornets aren't healthy by then, at least there will be some interesting uh, players that they will be playing against. So 
I'm excited for the Miami back-to-back, which is after the Portland game, just because Miami-Charlotte is always, like, high intensity. They're always good games. Physical. Yeah. yeah, normally, like, a pretty good game. Like, we've beaten them a few times. They've beaten us a few times. We think we have a rivalry with Miami being the Hornets, but I don't think they think there's a rivalry whatsoever. <laughs> Certainly not. But Certainly for not. Hornets fans, there is, because we still, like, remember about them knocking us out in the in the play-in. Um, play uh, playing the playoff tournament, uh, the playoffs when they knocked us out four three, and like Miami fans are like, what? When was that? We didn't even remember that. Yeah, you know? they've played in like nine playoff series since then. Yeah, since then. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm excited to see Portland. I think Dame's going to be out. If any Simons I saw was out, so they're, they're pretty knocked up, similar to Charlotte yeah. right now. Yeah, Shane Sharp's uh, been starting. So yeah, um, but yeah, I I just hope they can get some guys back and we can actually start like watching what this team really looks like in reality, not this figment of, it's not my imagination, but I wish it was, where it's just like missing four of your top six guys consistently. Um, it's just been frustrating really um, to, to, to cover the games. But, you know, Dennis Smith Jr. has been a great story. Nick Richards is continuing to play well, although his minutes necessarily aren't going up how they might. I do agree, even though my, I've still got reservations of Book Knight, he has been getting better. So if you can continue on that trajectory, then that can only mean good things. Um, PJ Washington has still been Mr. Inconsistent. You thought he had like this breakthrough two nights in a row. Where, oh, this is he's arrived, PJ. He's taken the miles jump. Oh, he's look how consistent he is. And then he just dropped to like two duds and he's rebounding the ball really poorly. Um, but yeah, like I, I hope my, uh, PJ can, can find his rhythm again. Um, on both both sides of the ball. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll get back on in a few weeks. Hopefully next time we can be talking about some of how people look when they're coming back from injury. And that can be the focus of the talk. Not, um, yeah, not looking at 32 minutes for Jalen McDaniels and 28 minutes for James Booknight, which is not a winning formula, unfortunately, in the NBA. Let's hope, my friend. All right, well, let's leave it there. Chase, thanks for coming on. Thanks for the niche interview and I'll catch you next time. See you guys.